You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Oh, uh, yeah, so just a glossary term before the sermon starts. Uh, I decided to put a really fancy theological word in my sermon, so I'm just going to define it for the ones who don't know. But um, soteriology means pertaining to salvation. Okay, grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Amen. There'll be a quiz after the sermon. So my obsession with babies started young for me. But it really got bad when I was about 12 and had what I thought was surely a baby of my own. Our family fostered a baby named Stephen, who became mine basically the first night my family brought him home. My mom would try and warn me not to get too attached since we wouldn't be keeping the baby, but to absolutely no effect. Can you turn it down just a smidge? Thanks. I'd rush home after school hoping he was up from his nap and would often receive a scolding from Peggy not to wake him up, just to hold him. And she'd come in my room as a sleepy infant, lie in my thin young arms. I would lie to her saying, oh no, mom, he was totally awake when I came in. (laughs) He was my baby. We fostered Stephen during a particularly difficult time in my life when my own body was ravaged by an autoimmune disorder, and I felt alienated from basically everyone except my cat and that baby. And holding that perfect little infant in my arms, I felt deeply human and connected and entirely unjudged. And I said I wanted to keep him because I loved him, but in my innermost thoughts, I really wanted to keep him so that he would love me back. And both were true, but only one was said out loud. In our gospel text for today, Mary and Joseph brought their own infant, now six weeks old, to the temple to be dedicated. And there they encountered two totally badass old people. Um, A devout and righteous dude named Simeon and an 84-year-old woman named Anna, who was described as a prophet, who hung out at church like all the time. Anna could basically lay down the wisdom and make enough hot chocolate for everyone in the Advent waiting room, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Both those old folks were looking for salvation, trusting, trusting that even in the midst of being occupied by the Roman Empire and all the tyranny of Caesar, that God was still faithful to God's promises, so they like kept an eye out perhaps as we should, they were watchers. But this week I started to wonder what Simeon and Anna thought they might find, like what they expected for a sign from God to look like. Like maybe as they watched, they would say they were open to whatever God's salvation looked like, and maybe that was true, but did they also think things they never said out loud? Like, that they were looking for salvation and a magical event of some kind or an uprising of the people or the immediate destruction of their enemies? And did 
Did their inner thoughts drive them and also disturb them as mine do? It's hard to say for sure. But that made me wonder if perhaps part of the salvation they themselves experienced that day when they saw the baby Jesus was that they were saved from the thoughts of their own hearts. I've said before that in the incarnation, it was as if the God who created us and all that is, who spoke through prophets and poets and claimed a people to be God's own and freed them from the shackles of slavery and led those people through the wilderness and told them to always welcome the stranger and protect the foreigner so that they could remember where they came from and what God had done for them, that then, in the fullness of time, and to draw all people to himself, God came and broke our hearts like only a baby could do. As though God was saying, from now on, this is how I want to be known. So the thing I love about Simeon and Anna is that despite what their assumptions may or may not have been, regardless of what they hoped the salvation of the Lord would look like, what they saw in front of them was the salvation of God in a powerless human baby. And that made me ask myself this week, where do I look for salvation? I mean, not what do I say because that is what is acceptable, but what if I am really honest? From where do I think my help will come? And I wonder if my expectations for where I think salvation will come is related to some, some hidden thoughts I have. I mean, I wouldn't have admitted it at the time, but in the past, in my deepest innermost thoughts, I thought salvation would come through me being good. Although in all honesty, that phase didn't last long. <laughs> or in my innermost thoughts, I really believe salvation would come through being in a relationship. That salvation would come to me through activism. Then that salvation would come through beating my body into submission. Then that salvation would come through enough self-awareness. Then that salvation would come through success. But I'm here to tell you that I have had and done all of these things, and in none of them did my salvation dwell. Because the moment I obtain the thing I think will save me, I quickly transfer the hope of my salvation to something else like a soteriological whack-a-mole. <laughs> the point being, I almost always think too small. And maybe the church does too. I mean, I was raised being taught that salvation meant being super-duper good enough that you get to go to heaven when you die. If you avoid all the pleasure in life, you are rewarded with gold streets and a cloud of your own in heaven, as if salvation was both delayed and only personal. And sometimes in liberal Christianity, I think the idea of salvation differs very little from the platform of the Democratic Party. As if salvation is only societal and has nothing to do with your own heart and soul. So maybe we all think too small. Because I need to be saved from myself and saved from our collective selves. 
I need to see the salvation of the Lord. I love that a baby's crying in the middle of preaching a sermon about babies. It's perfect. Thank you. Um, I need to see the salvation of the Lord in society and in my own heart. I need the salvation of God to bring justice and to enter deep enough into my being that even the thoughts of my heart, even the innermost crap that drives me but that I never want to admit, even that is saved and redeemed. Adopting a political party or a better lifestyle just isn't enough. And I have a hunch I'm not alone. I have a feeling that I'm not the only one who's really tired of looking for salvation in some places and coming back empty-handed over and over. So here's what's so amazing about these first couple chapters of Luke. Not only do all the characters break out in song like they're in a Bollywood musical, but all these things I said I need saved from, all of them are spoken of by this motley band of prophets in the first couple chapters of Luke. Both Mary and Simeon sing songs of salvation that include societal justice and being saved from our innermost thoughts. Maybe I only saw this this week because it's what I desperately need right now, but it's there. In Mary's song, a chapter earlier, She's saying that God has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. The thoughts of my heart are like a driving principle that only I know about, and half the time I can't even admit to myself. My innermost thoughts are often dark and lightly crazy and usually pretty embarrassing, like I wouldn't want them printed out and distributed. I mean... I need a savior who can scatter that noise inside me and send the billionaire heiress away empty. So I love that then Simeon sings that this child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. This is the salvation our God offers. It is bigger than what we expect. It upturns the social order and it redeems even the innermost thoughts we never dare speak aloud. Nothing is lost. Salvation is public and personal at the same time. And people of God, I believe that this salvation of the Lord is all around us, even now. It is redeeming this world and our own hearts and souls, scattering even the thoughts we keep to ourselves I just see it because I think I have to see it in kindness and in protest and in confession and in forgiveness and in meals shared and in refugees met with crowds offering love and, of course, in babies. To this day, when I hold a baby, I feel it is giving me once again a blessing of innocence of what's possible, of a slice of a moment when I'm blessedly free of cynicism. Babies remind us that there is hope. Babies minister to me in a way words and even actions never can, like pre-verbal love, like primordial priests wrapped in cotton blankets. Thanks be to God. Amen.
keep having those babies.